Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Foo followers everywhere. Welcome to the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, episode 44, with your host, Ben Johnson. Thank you all so much for checking out the show. If you would like to keep up to date with all the latest martial arts movie news, reviews and podcasts, simply visit KungFuMovieGuide.com and follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget, you can become a registered Foo follower today by signing up to our newsletter that is how you can be in with the chance of winning lots of cool free prizes through our regular competitions so if you haven't done so already head over to kungfumovieguide.com now type in your email address when prompted and then verify your email address to be in with a chance of winning loads of cool free stuff Okay, thank you everyone for downloading this episode of the show, which features none other than the awesome Heidi Moneymaker. So, without any further ado, let's get on with the show. Here we go. Well, if you're really so determined to have a fight, then I'll oblige. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome, welcome one and all, wherever you are sat tuning into this episode of the podcast. Maybe you're not sat down, maybe you're standing up, maybe you're driving, maybe you're in the gym. Who knows, wherever you are, welcome, welcome to the show. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. We are up to season four, episode 44, all the fours. Thank you so much. To everyone who has stuck with us over the years, many of you will know the drill, I'm sure, but uh, if you are new to this podcast, then hello. It's taken you a while to get here, but thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the show. If you're not aware, then we like to spend the next hour or so just chatting to some of the film industry's most exceptional and talented individuals involved in the making of martial arts action films, whether they be actors, producers, directors, fight choreographers, stunt teams, stunt coordinators and performers. And every once in a while, we do get an absolute legend that swings by to say hello and have a rambly chat with with me. And today is one of those moments because it is my great privilege to be able to say that the Hollywood stunt legend Heidi Moneymaker is my guest on the show today. It's very exciting indeed. It took me a bit of time to get this one arranged and recorded because Heidi is one of the busiest and most in-demand stunt performers and coordinators out there in Hollywood. She's also a fitness guru who runs her own fitness company, which is called Fierce Lotus. And you can go to fiercelotus.com for more information about that. And when she's not doing that, she's working as a fight choreographer and a fight trainer on some of the biggest action movies on the planet right now. 
Heidi was a gymnast from from a very young age, and her big break came when she started to double Scarlett Johansson in her role as the Marvel superhero character Black Widow. The two are great friends, and they are often seen in interviews together. So we talk quite a bit about that friendship on this episode of the show. She has been involved in performing as Black Widow for the last ten years or so, since uh, Iron Man Two was her first film as. Black Widow, and right up to Avengers Endgame, which came out earlier this year. Heidi is also very well known for her continuing work with the Los Angeles-based stunt collective and production company 8711, having first met the founders Chad Stahelski and David Leach way back during the Matrix years. She's done a lot of stunt work on quite a few of their films over the years, including the John Wick franchise, where she doubled Ruby Rose in the second film and she also had a small role in that movie fighting Keanu Reeves as one of uh, the assassins and for John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum which came out earlier this year Heidi was tasked with training the Oscar winning actor Halle Berry for her role in the movie and I think you can all agree that she did an, an excellent job in turning someone who is definitely not known for doing stunts and action into an absolute badass in that film so we do get to chat quite a bit about that on this episode of the podcast so any John Wick fans listening to this episode you are in for a treat I will throw over to the interview in a second but first of all I just wanted to mention a few messages that have come in to the show thank you to everyone who messaged me about our previous episode which was our live coverage from this year's Fighting Spirit Film Festival if you do want to learn more about the projects which we covered on that particular episode then I would urge you to visit that episode's page on our website Kung Fu movieguide.com I've included links to many of the short films which were shown at the event and links where you can go to find more information. Many of those up-and-coming directors and actors will undoubtedly become the stars of tomorrow, so I would urge you to jump in and, and check out their work. All previous episodes of the show are really easy to get hold of, of course, across whatever podcast provider it is that you use. We are on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Stitcher, Acast, SoundClouds, I'm sure there's others that I'm missing, but anyway, you can subscribe to the show now on any of those platforms, and that is the best way to make sure that you never miss a new episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast. I did have another message that came through over Twitter recently, which I said I'd throw out to you guys, the loyal Foo followers. I do get quite a lot of emails and messages from people who remember watching old kung fu movies either you know as part of kung fu theater growing up or maybe they had some crappy vhs back in the day and they want help in discovering the name of that movie so anyone of course who is into kung fu movies will know that trying to find the titles of some of these films can be an absolute nightmare given the methods of many international distributors over the years who would you know regularly repackage old films and give them new titles and i'm sure i'm not the only one who has fallen for that trick many many times uh, over the years anyway this message came in from sir ezra on twitter it says hey kung fu movie guide i've been looking for a movie for over 20 years there's a scene in an inn enemies outnumber the hero 
The hero throws oil everywhere and uses wood on his feet, sliding around and beats the gang. It's an old school wire kung fu movie in the style of the Jet Li fantasy style. I don't think it was Lee, but maybe it was. Maybe you can help. Thank you very much, Sir Ezra. Thank you so much for dropping that message over to us. You have definitely come to the right place. I did retweet this when it landed in my Twitter feeds, and there was a bit of correspondence going back and forth, a few people out there putting forward their suggestions. It's definitely not the transporter, which was a very good shout because of that uh, amazing greasy fight scene that uh, happens in the transporter. Someone has also suggested Once Upon a Time in China 3, which was mentioned, which seems to be at least more in the right sort of ballpark area. Anyway, as I do like to think of this show as performing some kind of public service, uh, hopefully we can get to the bottom of this one for you, Sir Ezra. You can get in touch if you have a suggestion as to what film that might be. You can try all the usual KFMG channels, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And of course, for any questions or feedback or correspondence, please don't hesitate to email us. The email address is hello at kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, it's Heidi Moneymaker time. What an absolute treat this was to be able to spend a bit of time talking to such an iconic stunt performer like Heidi. A couple of notes first before we get into this. Her phone was pinging every so often during this course, so apologies in advance if maybe you end up checking your own phone every so often, thinking that a, a message has come through. I do hope that uh, that doesn't prove too distracting. Also, we do talk quite a bit about John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum on this episode of the podcast. The film is available now on 4K, Blu-ray and DVD from Lionsgate Home Entertainment. It's one of our favourite films of the year so far and you can read our review of the movie right now by heading over to kungfumovieguide.com. Okay, I will be back at the end of the show to sign off properly, but until then... Here's me having a chat with the great Heidi Moneymaker. What's the sort of typical day for you like then, Heidi? There's no typical day for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just really depends. I mean, if I, right now I'm... I've taken some time this summer and, and I'm working, but I'm not on a solid project. Yeah. Um, so it's been really nice for me because I've had an opportunity to really train myself. Yeah. Um, if you, if anyone follows me on Instagram, you can, you can tell when I'm working more and when I'm not, cause I'm posting a lot more workout videos and recipes and kind of just telling you about my day. But a typical day when I'm not on a film would be get up, um, either make some sort of really great matcha tea drink or, I've been into Four Sigmatic um, Lion's Mane coffee. Lion's Mane is really good for brain recovery. And, you know, those of us who do stunts end up banging our heads a lot. And even if we don't bang our heads, we're getting rattled around a lot. So um, something like that. Um, then I'd head to head to the gym today. I went to 8711. Yesterday I went to Tempest Academy. Um, yesterday I did we did um, a bunch of free running and tricking and then we did a little fight workout and then today we went to 8711 and did fight choreography um and then you know i come back home and i work on stuff for my my company fierce lotus fitness when i'm not doing that i'm either 
you know, taking care of my dogs or my cats or, you know, doing a little research so I can, you know, get myself prepared to shoot a little short film. How do you relax then? Or is that your own way of relaxing as well? Well, I'm very high energy by nature. And so for me, um, using my brain, using my body helps me to relax later, Um, especially as I've gotten older and, you know, a little more beat up, you know, I've really gotten into researching and trying out a lot of recovery type workouts. So I, I incorporate a lot more of that into my daily now. I've been using this um, thing called a Beamer Pad, which is a, a pulmonary electromagnetic frequency mat. And it's supposed to help with blood flow and help with injury. And basically when I lay on that thing, it, it's almost like meditating. It just helps me relax. Yeah. With a lot of this though, Heidi, and, and also it goes into, I guess, a lot of the nutritional stuff as well that you do. When you're teaching and you're training people, do you find a bit of time to try and find what the person is that you're teaching? What are they, what's going to work for them personally? Because everyone's, everyone's different. Absolutely. I mean, you can go even farther into that to say, you know, it's really important to get yourself to a really healthy homeostasis so that you can listen to your body's needs. Because for me, I rotate, we all rotate all the time, right? So you can be deficient in vitamin C at some point, and once you boost your vitamin C, you're no longer deficient in it. You get it through your foods, and you're you're good to go. So same thing with any other nutrition plan. Like there's times when I, I have gone, you know, vegetarian and vegan for a few weeks, mm-hmm. and then I feel that I start needing some meat again. Uh, you know, Mediterranean diet for a little while. Uh, I went keto for a minute, tried that out, and it was had some benefits for sure. Um you know, so it's it's the same thing with, with anybody. It's like you have to kind of try some things out and feel figure out what's working for you right now. And do you ever just have a cheat day where you just order a pizza? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't really have cheat days because I'm I'm a very extreme person. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I'm either just all in to whatever I'm doing. So if I do a cheat all day, it's a mess and I'm sick. So my rule is that if I ever feel like I want something to the point where I'm actually going to eat, I have a a really good self-control when it comes to food and stuff because I look at it as fuel and I look at certain things as poisons and stuff. But if I, if I'm, if it's a Wednesday and I'm sitting at a restaurant with a friend and for some reason I just really want to order, you know, that mushroom pizza, I'm going to just have it. Yeah. Um, and that keeps me from going overboard and, and, you know, depleting myself too you know yeah uh this is something that was ingrained from quite an early age am i right in saying that heidi like so nutrition and just having a healthy lifestyle is that you sort of inherited that from from your parents is that is that right that's right i'm absolutely i feel so blessed in so many ways to have had the parents that i have um but my father studied uh he was not weightlifting for competition but he was weightlifting in his later 20s and really started studying nutrition and health and literally he we grew up with he used to grow wheatgrass flats and he'd juice wheatgrass for us every day and he would make us veggie and fruit juices for you know our trainings we were all gymnasts we never had sugar cereals it was always carob chips if there was going to be something chocolatey and we didn't do a lot of dairy um we had some some hefty meals i mean we're german so there was a lot of potatoes and stuff (laughs) yeah but um you know there was a lot of salads and veggies and stuff as well You be careful. Say for training Halle Berry, were you also, you know, a sort of nutritional (laughs) advisor as well as a fight trainer? I mean, how involved were you in that side of things? Well, here's the thing. I don't have a degree in any sort of, you know, nutritional science and I'm not a dietitian or anything. So I have to be a little bit careful with that kind of stuff because as much as I know from my own experience and I have 
probably good advice for people. I, I really try to be careful because that can become a problem for me. But I always recommend a high quality branch chain amino acid for anybody starting to train with me yeah. <laughs> or to train with any 8711 because the, the amount of depletion you go through just in the amount of hours and work that you do, I mean, that's, that, that's a must. Um, and with Hallie, I mean, she had she has her own fitness trainer that she's been working with forever and they have her own fitness company and she has, um, you know, people she works with for her diet. She's pretty specific on what she eats, but I definitely had recommendations on things and then I would, you know, kind of give her like, I like this brand. This is a good, you know, thing for you to use. And actually up to be honest, she, she's very well versed in a lot of this and recommended some things to me as well. So in her case, she, she's just an outstanding yeah. <laughs> client, you know, she just, yeah. you, came in already fit she used to be a gymnast she works her ass off she's she's got a lot of you know she's a really smart woman and she, she's you know does her research when it comes to nutrition and stuff so and when you're training someone i mean that's the kind of attitude you really want isn't it i guess but you must be have been in situations where someone doesn't want to put the hours in or the effort in and if if so how do you go about getting around that well first of all i mean most people and most women, I would say, I don't want to say most, a lot of women don't have the same um, mindset as I do because I'm a little bit off. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm a little psycho about training and health and nutrition and fitness and I know that. So I'm not trying to push myself on anyone in that way. So I, I generally come to a situation when I meet somebody and I just try to assess who they are, you know, what they stand for, where they are um, and what they're trying to achieve. So in the case of Hallie, what we were trying to achieve was not just to train her as an actress doing a fight movie. We were trying to train her as a stunt woman and a very good one. Mm -hmm. And so that's a different case. And for someone like her, she had to put the hours in. Otherwise, she wouldn't have been able to achieve it. And she did. She's an extremely hard worker. You had quite a few months with her for John Wick 3, didn't you? We tried almost six months. Wow. Wow, wow. Yeah. It was a lot. That's and kind of un unheard of as well, isn't it, really? <laughs> I mean... It's really unheard um, of. That's six months of paying people to train somebody before you even start the movie. Yeah. You know, and you can't, I can't just take Hallie in there by my, I mean, I can, but you don't just take somebody in and train them one-on-one. -on -one. Like what you need is people for them to fight. You know, you need other people and there's many people that have to be involved so that you're not just talking about two paychecks. You're talking about six or eight, you know, plus a facility yeah. rental. So it is very unheard of. But the, the great thing about that situation was that they'd already started the movie. So she wasn't, filming her, her sequence until the end of the film. Right. So while the film was going on and we were all already on contract, we were able to train her throughout. Um, and then at the same time, Chad Stahelski, the director, and I think he was one of the producers on this as well, he had a very specific ask when it came to what Hallie was able to do. And so for him, it was a no-brainer, like this is happening. And it wasn't just training with me, it was training with Taryn Butler, with live firearms and it was also training months and months of working with those dogs and stuff too so. yeah because you've got to turn someone into someone who's not done or certainly isn't known for doing action and turn her into the female john wick because she there's they're supposed to be buddies they've been through the same training that's quite a huge challenge isn't it <laughs> to, to sort yeah, of so uh, to, to do that yeah normally there's not as much pressure because i'm on a film and usually i'm doubling the person when i'm yeah. training them not always but um, I know that at the end of the day, I've been doing this long enough that there's a few, a few pieces that this person needs to be able to do in order for this to be believable. And if we can get 
this person from point A to point D, awesome. If we can get A to Z, incredible. But worst case scenario, we put me in my costume and, and I do the piece that they can't seem yeah. to, to nail, right? So I want to, I work really hard trying to get my actresses to do as much as possible because I think it's really, I like it when, the, I feel a sense of achievement when they can do it themselves because then I feel like, a, you know, I'm a coach by nature, I guess. But, um, you know, if they don't have the time or they don't, you know, they're not really into putting the time in, it's not that big of a deal because I know that I'm the double. I'm going to come in. We'll, gotcha. we'll work together with the team. It's all good. But it was different for Hallie and it's, it's kind of becoming a trend now too where actors and actresses are wanting to be authentic and actually, you know, train to become these characters. And so now there's a lot more pressure because, you know, with Hallie, yes, she had a stunt double, but that's not what the director wanted. He wanted her to do it. And that's a staple of the 8711. That's their tradition, isn't it? That's how Chad and David have always done it, you know, since day one. Yeah. You know, all that action is done in camera. And that's that's the beauty of it, particularly with the, the John Wick franchise. And obviously, I guess if Halle Berry's signing up for that, she's she's got a re- that's what she's in for, isn't it? Is, isn't it really? She can't, you can't hide so much in, a, in an 8711 production, can you? No, and you know what? You know, within a couple of weeks of working with her, I was v- it was very clear why Halle Berry has everything that she has. And I mean that in the sense that she's earned it probably twofold. Like, she, there's a reason that she's got an Oscar. There's a reason that she's, you know, she's, she's, a, she's a hard worker. Like, to the point where I started realizing that this woman is going to, <laughs> I'm going to have to stop her. Like, I had to start, I had to really get to know her. And I had to watch her mannerisms and understand when she needed to stop because she's just, she'll go until she, you know, pulls a muscle or until she, you know, just can't pick herself off the ground. And that's actually not a great, that's not a great way to train. You want to train to a point where you know, okay, hey, I'm getting tired. I could get hurt kind of thing. Um, so, I, you know, I had, to, she's so gnarly. She's awesome. But I, I did, I had to start reading her and saying, no, I think you should stop now. <laughs> yeah. And you've got to be that emotional anchor as well. Not just Hallie, but I mean, whoever you're working with, you've got to know, you know, when to when to say stop. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Most people are pretty easy to read. Like they tell you yeah. that you can just see by the movement or by the, their face. And then when you say, hey, do you think you should stop? They say yes. With her, it's like she had this poker face and I'd be like, do you want to keep going? And in her head, it was like, I have to say yes, because she asked if I could keep going, you know. Yeah. But yeah, she was she was a little bit more difficult, but it is, you know, what's really nice is that I think, um, I think it's really nice to have women training women. I mean, I, I didn't do it by myself. It's a whole, it was a whole team effort. 8711 is a huge company and there's all the guys down there are perfectly capable of training anyone. Everyone's amazing. And they all work together with me on that. But I think it was nice for her to have a female because we have that little emotional connection where like we just think a little differently. So I would ask her things and do things for her that a guy probably wouldn't know to ask or yeah. or think about, yeah. you know. So that was kind of nice. And you must have been super proud with the results. I mean, what what an incredible film that uh, <laughs> that was, John Wick Three. I couldn't be more proud of yeah. her. I've never been more proud of you know any actress I've changed in my life. Really, I mean, Scarlett's amazing. Scarlett Johansson. I usually double her. She's wonderful. She's done some awesome shit. Really has. Um, but with Hallie, it was like a six month long grind and there were ups and downs and things that happened and things that we had to get through and there was points where she just was worried that she wasn't going to be able to do it all you know that kind of thing and the last scene when she finished filming her last action scene in Morocco 
she sat down and looked at me and got tears in her eyes and she said, I did it. And I realized like this whole time, I knew she was going to be able to do it. Yeah. But this whole time she was like, I, I, I have to do this, but I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And so there yeah. was this, I just got the chills. There was this amazing moment that I remember. I, it'll be like, I can see it in my mind. It's just her like having that win, you know, and it was like a private moment too. It wasn't like she was standing on a podium like, yes, I did it. It was like this amazing, amazing moment where she just had this, you know, realization that after all that work, she made it happen, you know. Are you are you two still in, in touch? Yeah. 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 You know what? In all honesty, um, we really get along well and we really respect each other a lot. And I think we'll probably be in each other's lives for <laughs> a while. And I yeah. hope that I'll get to work with her again. I hope I get to train her again. I hope I get to help choreograph for her. She's just so great to work with. John Wick, excommunicado, is now in effect. You shouldn't be here. Good to see you too. I need your help. After this, we are less than even. You mentioned Scarlet there, so it's a nice sort of lead-in, I guess, to... Uh, well, first of all, this new Black Widow movie, are you involved in that? Can you actually... Could you tell me, even if you were? <laughs> um... <laughs> You know, Marvel's really funny about um, about all that stuff. Uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about that or not. So let me get back to you on that. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> it's a long-awaited solo film for Black Widow. You've been involved since, you know, what, sort of ten years ago? It's about a decade, maybe, that you've been uh, doing Black Widow. Is that is that about right? Ten years. Yeah. We the first film we did was Iron Man two. And it was in 2009, so yeah, it's been 10 years. Yeah. I think, you know what, um, I don't know what's going to happen with this character ultimately, but I think it was a long-deserved solo film, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And I think it's it's nice that... I just, I like what Marvel's doing. I think they're they're highlighting a lot, a lot of females. They're hiring, highlighting some different ethnicities. They're really giving everybody a chance to have their moment kind of thing, and I hope they continue to do that because I think... There have been people who have felt left out in the, you know, in the past, and now they can really, you know, especially kids looking up to these superheroes. You know, you want to, you want to have a female character. You want to have, you know, the Black Panther was an amazing film, and and honestly, it was so great. You have all these like, you know, young African American kids getting to have this amazing superhero to look up to. You know, so that first time, I guess, meeting Scarlett Johansson. If you cast your mind back there to, to Iron Man Two, I mean, you were brought on there as, as the stunt double. Just meeting her and working with her. I mean, how does that dynamic work? I know you two are, are very your your good buddies. Yeah, you know what we. Um... She came into Iron Man Two just ready to go. You know, I don't, yeah. she hadn't done a film with this much action. I want to say at least on her part uh, before, and so she was really dedicated. I think we trained with her for six weeks before we started shooting. Um, and you know, she came in like three days a week and just really was very, very keen to try to learn everything that she possibly could. We put her in some wires and. She learned a lot of hand-to-hand stuff and everything, and and we, we kind of obviously got to know each other really well throughout those few weeks. Um, but it really, I would say, I think the next one we did was Avengers together, and 
by Captain America Winter Soldier, I think. We had sort of found a real good groove where, yeah. you know, I think in, before it was a little bit like she was doing her thing and I was doing my thing and we were working together and making the character great. But there be, there was a point where we just started trying to become one, you know, meshing a little bit more, working, you know, working choreography that wasn't just choreography we made up and taught her that we'd have, I'd, you know, bring her in and try to really see what she thought about stuff. And, you know, I, I definitely wanted to know more, you know, what her character was thinking so I could sort of emulate, you know, emotion in my action a little bit as well. So I don't know, man, it just slowly, we slowly kind of got into this groove that, you know, now, I mean, yeah, she still trains before a film and we still teach her choreography, but now I know what she does well. I know what we can put where, and if, if need be, and we come to set last minute and they change everything and then we have a whole new fight, I can put something together real quick that she can already do. Yeah. Um, even though it'll look different than what she's done in the past, I just know the movement patterns that she does well. Yeah. And so that's kind of nice knowing somebody that well. And she trusts me that much that she's like, cool, we're going to do this. It's going to look great. Good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Black Widow has evolved so much throughout that, that decade. How have you managed to sort of shape that character through the, through the years, would you say? Well, to begin with, I mean, the, the fight coordinator for the first two, for Iron Man 2 and for Avengers was Jonathan Eusebio. Yeah. And he is one of our 8711 stunt directors jojo yeah exactly yeah. fight coordinators and stuff so really to be fair uh the concept of black widow fight style really came from him and the team yeah um and so for me it was just kind of evolving into that and you know three movies in or whatnot i mean i'm starting to help with the choreo and then four movies in i'm training scarlet by myself and you know before you know it i'm choreographing you know yeah. half of her stuff on the side because I know her I know me I know the character and there's so many other characters involved they're like Heidi go choreograph this fight <laughs> see you later yeah. that's the thing to remember about Black Widow herself is that she's she is a human being she's not like a god or anything and she's not a uh, incredible Hulk that's the challenge isn't it really you've got to come up with choreography that's believable in a world which is so kind of unbelievable uh, so you know I mean how do you how do you go about doing that well that is Actually, what I like about her character the most is mm. that she's human and that she actually has to be smarter than everyone else, faster than everyone else, and, you know, have a, have be thinking ahead more so than everyone else. Because everyone else she fights or everyone else on her team, they have some kind of superpower. Um, mm. So that's actually an amazing creative outlet for me and for anybody else who's involved in this character is that you just, you, you get to, you get to really you know, open your mind to what, what would I do here? How would I get out of this? Um, so, so for me, that's a, like a, that's a thing that I love and it makes, it makes for a more interesting fight scene for me. Um, but it does pose a challenge sometimes because we might be, you know, in space or you know, yeah. <laughs> doing something that, um, just seems like a human couldn't possibly do. Uh, but she has a ton of weapons. You know, we try to get her thinking a lot. She uses her brain a lot. Um, and, you know, the, the cool thing is every once in a while she sort of has a comedic beat, you know, that yeah. plays back into yeah. her not having <laughs> a superpower. Could you just talk us through what that relationship's like? I mean, is there moments where Scarlet might say, no, no, I, I've got this one, Heidi, I can do this. Uh, or are you, oh, yeah. yeah, is that, that's how that works? So it's, it's really film dependent. And sometimes there's just, there's so much going on 
and different two different units shooting that there's just not a possibility for her to be in two places at once. Mm. So I might do a little more basic piece of a fight that I wouldn't that she would normally do. Um, generally, with anything that's you know dangerous, we don't have her do even even if she's capable of it. Just because you know for liability reasons, if she could even if she gets a tiny scratch on her face, we can't shoot until it heals, yeah. kind of thing. You know, yeah. so. Um, in that sense, like anything, you know, getting blasted through windows or, you know, thrown to the ground or whatever it is, that's generally me. Um, and if, if we have the time with, with regard to fighting and everything, that's usually, you know, a lot of that is her. Um, but it just depends on the film. It depends, you know, depends how much time we have to shoot. Depends if we've got two units going or three. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Have you ever been injured through a stunt? You know what? Yes, I have. Um, I've had a, a few things happen. I separated my AC joint, um, my collarbone. Um, I I kind of split my calf in half one time. <laughs> the right. muscle. I got a pretty good scar on my forehead um, from being blown through a window and just randomness the wood frame kind of broke it was balsa it should have broken really easy it just kind of broke jagged and cut a piece out of my head you know things like that where you're just like that shouldn't have happened (laughs) um i've banged my head a few times i've had some pretty severe concussions um which are you know that's definitely not an injury like with most stuff i'll i'll rehab and then kind of push through if i can but with those ones you want to really take the time and heal because it's no joke we should say though the majority of the film sets you're on are very safe environments is that i mean as a as a whole yeah yeah these are in safe environments so the, the problem with what we do is it's a very calculated risk so we do everything we possibly can to make it as safe as we can yeah and to you know try to think of any little things that might come in the way to cause, you know, a monkey wrench that might cause a big problem. But at this, the end of the day, you know, things aren't always perfect. I mean, you you do the best you can to make it safe. And these are safe sets. Um, they really are. Um, but every once in a while, just a little something goes wrong. Like there was, I was on a film one time and somebody was doing a big jump out, like a, I don't know how many feet, maybe 40 feet on a line out of a, a window. And the wind picked up and basically took a cable and wrapped it around something it shouldn't and it caused a big problem could have been a really bad thing but you know we're outside it's everything is as safe as it can be and you know you can't you don't know if that there's going to be a random gust of wind happening all the all of a sudden you know yeah so i would yeah. say i i i generally work on safe sets i'm if i if i get called for a job and i don't know the person or i feel like 
if I don't feel like it's going to be safe, I won't do the job. Yeah, I was going to say, Heidi, have you ever had one of those instances where you're like, there's no way I'm doing that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for one thing, I'm not a big fan of, I love animals, and I love bees, and I love insects and everything. I really do. I'm an animal person, but I'm not a big fan of doing stunts with wild animals or, or bees or spiders or anything like that because, mm. you know, it's just a little different. Like, I got called to double Jennifer Aniston one time and be covered in bees. I was like, nah, <laughs> I don't want to do that. But how, how are you with the, the dogs in John Wick 3? Well, because the dogs never attacked me. I got to be their friend, which was cool, right? Cool. So I got to know them really well, and I, I loved those dogs. The trainers were so nice. They, they would let me come in and spend loving time with them. I had a wake-up call in the beginning of training with those dogs. I was holding my iPhone, and I was tracking and filming with the dog. And when they when the dog got to the t- the trainer and bit the tug and went down, I pushed in with my hand because they were the dog was trained on the toy and he was down. The dog saw my phone in his peripheral and thought it was another toy being offered him and oh jumped up. And I and funny enough, somebody else was filming it. Like I moved out of the way and the trainers got him right away. And nobody got hurt and everything, but it was that moment of like, wow, that was really stupid, Heidi. You're these are dogs trained to bite toys, and you're in the dog's space in the middle of when they're doing a stunt and pushing your phone into the dog's mouth. I mean, it was one of those where I was like, wow, okay, pay attention, start realizing what you're doing here, you know, that kind of thing. But that's the thing. It's it's these unpredictable things, or it's these things you just don't account for, um, and, you know, that's how things can go wrong, isn't it, I guess, on, on film sets? Yeah, I think that's with, with anywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Off a car at the wrong time and someone's not someone's texting on their phone, they hit you with the car. You know, it's like that that kind of stuff happens all the time. And so it does those things happen on film sets as well, even if you're as safe as you can possibly be, you know. Do you ever get nervous before doing a stunt? Uh you know what? Yes. Yeah. I I used to get really really nervous, which is really good. I think if I'm scared to do something, I won't do it because then something's wrong. Um, nerves are great because it spikes your adrenaline and gives you more energy. And so there came a time kind of in the middle of my career and I was like, oh man, I can't get nervous anymore. Like I was so used to, to what we were doing and I was so into it that I wasn't getting that adrenaline spike. Um, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta do something new. But I, I flipped a car one time. I did a cannon roll in a car for a film and that was definitely, that was the most, nerve-wracking stunt I've ever done it yeah, was great well. so it's also the most fun one I've ever done but that one definitely I was I was nervous for weeks <laughs> yeah which movie was that it's a movie called The Host with Saoirse Ronan how do you sort of get into the zone for, to do something like that well the problem with something like that is it's not something that you can rehearse the yeah. full move right yeah because it would be very expensive yeah um so what I did was I, I had a few months to prepare, and so I went back and kind of retook a couple of the stunt driving courses that I'd already taken and did a couple of extra days out on the track with uh, privates, with instructors. I went to a rally school in New Hampshire, and I did a bunch of things like that just to really, really hone in my driving skills right beforehand because... You know, the best I knew the best I could do was drive down the street, slide the car, hit my mark, and hit the button. That's the best I could do. Yeah. So as, as long as I can handle that, you know, the car does what it does after that. Um, so that that's how I prepared physically and mentally. Is I just went and drove, drove, drove. <laughs> <laughs> 
My superior kung fu will finish you off. If anyone is looking to get into the stunt world or to get into movies, would you be saying to people, you know, learn your craft, learn lots of different things, you know, learn how to flip a car? You would recommend that to people. Absolutely. And if you think about it, I mean, I've been in the business, I think, 16 or 17 years now. I mean, I've had these many years to work on these skills. So what I would say to somebody starting off is, first of all, there's probably something that's pulled you into the business, whether you were an athlete or, you know, you grew up driving cars or whatever it was. It's really important to focus on the thing that you're good at so that you have that in, while at the same time branching out and finding you know, training in other aspects of this business and finding out what you're terrible at, what you're good at, you know? And for me, it was like, do a bunch of stuff and be somewhat proficient in a lot of things. And then you find what you love. I, I love the fighting stuff. I did it before I thought I was even going to ever get to do a fight on camera, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, because you, you were a gymnast, weren't you? You represented the country, didn't you, as a, as a gymnast? I did. So I represented the USA, had a few international competitions, mm. um, and then I got a I earned a scholarship to UCLA and competed for UCLA, which was just amazing because it was this first time that I realized, you know, I was able to compete for a team of people, not just myself. It was really a great experience. Um, so I came into stunts being full-fledged gymnast, never having really done anything else. Just to to be at that level of gymnastics, there's no part, there's no other life, there's no other sports, there's no other anything, yeah. you know. Because you must have been training as a gymnast, you know, pretty much 24-7, I'd imagine. I mean, from, from quite a young age as well? Yeah, I started, yeah. I think, when I was five or maybe six, but yeah. um, you don't you don't have time to do anything else. And, and if you did have time, you're so exhausted. I, I was training like six days a week, twice a day, like three days a week, you know, during school was a whole, whole thing when I was younger. Um, but... The great thing about being a gymnast is you're so strong in so many ways that you are able to pick a lot of things up that take other people a, a bit, mm. you know, to get through. Mm. Um, so I feel very fortunate that that was my background. Yeah. Um, and having yeah. done a lot of dance with gymnastics, so we did a lot of ballet and jazz and stuff, you know, throughout my whole lifetime. So as far as choreography goes, um, I was able to understand and pick that up as well. And sometimes, to be honest with you, I treat it like a dance because it, it makes my rhythm better, it makes the fight better, and I'll, ca- I'll count my head or I'll put it to a beat um, so that I, you know, I'll, I'll match the beat to the process of where the actor would be at this point, you know, what's happening, why am I throwing this punch? I get really frustrated when I see fight scenes that are just like, punch, block, kick, punch, block, kick, punch, block, kick. You're like, why are we doing this? Like, what, yeah. what's the point? So for me, there always has to be a reason. Where does the martial arts come into your life then? Well... I never started. I never did a punch or a kick really in my life, other than maybe some Taibo in yeah. college. Um, until I got into the business, so I was already in the stunt business. But I got very well known as a gymnast, as doing wire moves and being able to do air rams, which we don't even do anymore. They're like an air pressure powered plate that you jump off of and flip into things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got very well known as that early on, and so I think it was always just kind of assumed that I wouldn't be a fighter, right? So. Right at, right when I got started, Chad Stahelski, actually, I met him, and he hooked me up with a dear friend of mine to this day, uh, Ming Lu, and she's just an incredible martial artist, and she actually was the first one who started teaching me how to kick um, and punch, and so I, I started training from the beginning, um, and when I was lucky enough, Chad and Dave would let me come in um, to their their Saturday workouts and sort of like be in the back and fight around, and you know, here and there, slowly but surely, I 
you know, I took some kickboxing classes. I took some more wushu classes. I took some other classes, and then I would come in, and the guys would work with me, you know, when I was lucky enough to, that they had some time. And so for about the first six years of my career, I, I did I trained it, and I never shot a fight. And I shot like we would shoot fights like on our own, but never never for film really. And I thought that's okay. You know what? I'm just not going to be a fighter. I love doing this so much that I'm going to do it because I love doing it and I'm going to get good at it because I want to be good at it. And then Iron Man 2 actually was my, I had done one little like pro wrestling silly fight for a show called My Name is Earl, but until Iron Man 2, I I had never really gotten to perform on camera a real fight. But you had worked with Chad before that. How did you sort of first hear of them? And because they would have had eighty seven eleven was up and running by that point. Is this early early two thousand? No, it wasn't. No, I don't yeah, it was. It was, it was like two thousand two maybe because yeah. I at the time had a fitness company and I was training. Actually, I was training my partner's client, and she had a daughter who was a gymnast, and so she liked to go and train at the gymnastics gym while her daughter was training gymnastics. There was like five or six guys, and they're like adult men. And at the time, it seemed weird to me because I didn't really know anything about anything. But these adult men, like, doing backflips and, like, flipping into the pit and whatever. And I, I remember thinking, like, what are these guys doing here? <laughs> That's so funny. They trained as gymnasts, didn't they? I mean, Dave Dave Leach and Chad. Yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah. Chad, maybe Brad Martin, Chris O'Hara. I'm trying to think who – I don't remember who all was there that day. It was quite a while ago. But um, they were on a, on a break from The Matrix 2 and 3. So they had done the whole San Francisco sequence and they were getting ready to go over to Australia, but they had this little bit of downtime and so they were training. And so Chad came up to me and, you know, had talked to the owner and the owner said, oh yeah, she was a really good gymnast. And he, he basically was looking for some help, um, stretching. He's really tight and if I had any, if I could help him out at all. And so we just kind of got to to know each other, you know, in the weeks before he left and, and he, you know, told him that I'd done a couple of stunt jobs and was looking into it and so he introduced me to Ming and and Chris O'Hara who actually helped me a bunch and helped me get a job one of my first big jobs and stuff so that's kind of how that happened and then when he got back they had a um they they used to train out of a warehouse in Culver City and 8711 wasn't a thing yet but it kind of was like an 8711 Mm -hmm. um and so they had a little space there it was like a mocap studio that they worked out of and um, they on Saturdays they'd go in there and do fight training, kind of like we do now. And that's that's where I started all my, all my yeah. all learning how to film fight. Anyway, not really martial arts. And and were you instantly like these are guys that I need to get involved with and like see what they're doing? Because obviously I know the Matrix was sort of the big break for those guys. But could you see in those early days that because they basically run Hollywood now, <laughs> pretty yeah. much like the biggest movies, you know, Hobbs and Shaw and Atomic Blonde and John Wick, like these huge movies. Did they have that vision even back then that you know this was this was where this was heading? Well, to be honest, I mean, it, for me, just kind of getting into the business, it was it's a big deal that they were going and doing these big movies. Yeah. Um, and I obviously knew they were very talented. And when we train stuff or shoot stuff, um, you know, obviously seemed very high level to me. But it wasn't until I really got into working into the business and worked with a couple of other fight teams and other people that I really re- recognized what they had. Um, some of the previses that they shot, even back then, are just epic to this day. You yeah. know, they were they weren't just shooting a fight. They were like they were looking at it as directors and stuff. So yeah, I mean, once I had some comparison, you know, I didn't know any better or worse when I was first getting started. But yeah, once I once I got out in the world a little bit, I thought, oh okay, yeah, these yeah. guys have got they've got the golden ticket. And now we'll see 
How good you are. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, is that your first sort of big movie there on the list? Uh, doubling Drew Barrymore for that movie, is that is that right? Yes. Yeah, so actually there was two doubles for each of the girls, and how that came about, I sent my stuff into the stunt coordinator, and his name's Mick Rogers, and he called me up and said, hey, I know you've not really done very much, but what I need is there's a scene where Drew Barrymore is wrestling Dwayne The Rock Johnson in a wrestling ring, and she has to do a backflip off the ring and land on her belly on his belly. Um, and so he said, my double right now is great, but she's not a gymnast, so I'm a little leery. She doesn't, we're not sure about having her do it, so we were going to bring in a second double. Do you think this is something you could do? And I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure I could do that. And he said, well, is there any way you could send me a tape? <laughs> it was a tape back then. Yeah. Could you send me a tape and just video yourself doing some stuff just so I can get an idea? And so... I talked to Chad and he called Chris and cause he was at Chad was out of town and Chris bless him came in and spent two hours with me in the gym and basically just directed me, you know, things that I could kind of already do, but wouldn't have known to put on tape. Like for example, he like, you know, ran up and punched at me and clotheslined me and I did a gainer backflip to the ground. It's something I could already do, but wouldn't have known to do, you know? Yeah. So I put all this on tape and I sent it in and Mick was like, okay, great. Yeah. You can definitely handle this. Cool. And so that was months prior and got kind of close to the date and I hadn't gotten any, a call or anything. And so I contacted him and said, Hey, just making sure we're still on for Monday. And he said, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. No one called you. We decided to hire an actual wrestler for the game. Right. And so bless him. He's, you know, normally it'd be like, Hey, sorry. Didn't mean that, you know, maybe next time. And he said, I feel so bad that no one called you that I've got like four days coming up where I need two sets of doubles and you don't even have to do anything. You just be there in case, you know, we need something. He's like, uh, so let me just bring you on. So, cause I feel bad. And so <laughs> he brought me on for those four days and it turned into five months for all of us doubles. We ended up having second unit doubles for each, um, side. There was a ton of work and you know, he was so great because he knew that I had not really done any stunts before. So mm -hmm. he, anytime there was something like a stair fall or a high fall, he'd kind of take me aside and be like, okay, here are options. This is how you can do it. Um, you know, you pick. And uh, so that was was really cool. It was a kind of instant infatuation once you were on that set and you were, you know, involved in the action. You were like, okay, this is this is my new thing. This is what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, so for me, uh, I had a really, really hard time, as do I'm sure most athletes, when I, I wasn't forced to retire when I graduated from college, but what would have been the point for me at 22 to go back and train for like another Olympic team, right? So then, the, then I'm, if I make it or if I don't, I'm 26 and then I still haven't started working. And then what am I going to do? This is the whole process going mm -hmm. through my head. So making the smart decision, I decided to retire. I was a bit depressed, you know, it had been something that that's all I did for 17 years, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think what happened when I got on that set is I realized not only can I still perform, it's a little bit different, yeah. <laughs> probably yeah. a little more painful. Not only can I still perform, but I can still train. Like now I have something to train for. Cause for me, I loved competing and I, I loved winning and yay, but I loved training. I loved being in the gym. I loved learning new tricks. I loved, you know, repetition. I loved doing routines over and over and over until I got them perfectly. And so I really missed that when, you know, that was gone. So now I found something that, you know, gave me that opportunity to be in the gym every day and have a reason to do it, you know? I know you do make your own short films and you've starred in your own short films as well. Did you ever think, oh, I, I want to make it in the acting world as well? Did you see that or were you always happy being, you know, working in stunts? I love acting. I love playing the character. I, I love 
you know, it's like playing. Um, however, I, you know, you kind of have to make a choice if that's what you want to pursue. Yeah. And I was just, yes. I was doing so well with, you know, all of the stunt doubling I was doing, and I, I really enjoyed it that I didn't stop doing that to pursue acting. But I still love it. I'm, you know, I take opportunities any chance I get to play little characters. It's, yeah. it's fun for me. Well, you were great in John Wick uh, 2. You had a nice role there as the uh, violin assassin. Yeah, it's a great fight scene. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to mention Wolf Warrior 2 because, you know, working in China as well, I mean, what was what was that experience like? I mean, you were part of Sam's Sam Hargrave's team, I guess, that, that went out there and worked with the, the Chinese crew. Well, I'll be honest, it's a little culture shock. Yeah. Um, I hadn't, I'd, been, I'd had a competition in, in Taiwan once, so I'd kind of been... I'd been there, and I'd also done a film in Thailand, so I'd been kind of to that side of the world, but I'd never been to China. Yeah. And um, I will go ahead and say it was all around a great experience, um, and Sam was really great at doing his research as far as, like, seeing this is not an American-backed film, there's not going to be the same rules and laws, and what are the things that I need to make sure that I negotiate prior to going out there for my team so that we're all protected. Um, so he did a really great job at that. We had a, a chef, or he had like cooks that came along with us that, you know, had a specific kind of meal plan. It was supposed to always be like organic meat that we are not used to eating. Yeah. <laughs> not the kind. Yeah. What was um, the, what was the food like on set? It was, yeah, it was really good. Actually. We, we had our chefs like there. I, I have a funky stomach and I have for years. Yeah. And so I didn't eat anything that wasn't prepared from our chefs. Yeah. Except for, we went out, um, Rujing took us out one night to, and we had this like fish cook thing. It was really really great not nice of him so like there was a couple times at nice restaurants I went out and ate but pretty much I didn't you know I was there to do a job and I wanted to make sure I didn't get sick so I, you know I kept to my real simple eating um and we were like you know we were way out in the country we weren't I was in Beijing twice like we were in the middle of I don't even know where just you know it was it was definitely um deep in China yeah uh, but I ended up coming back with two dogs <laughs> yeah ah right yes yeah, we had these puppies on our set, and I was feeding them and, you know, bringing meat scraps to them and shoveling out their little pen for them and everything, and then, you know, at one point I named them, and, you know, it was just one of those things where... Um, you became too attached. I decided, yeah, I decided yeah. to, for various reasons, I decided to try to get homes for all six of the puppies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I ended up taking two, and... Uh, Nate Perry, one of our other actors and stuntmen, he ended up taking one home, and then one of the producers took one, and the stand-in took one, and then we threw we had we found a vet that did adoptions, and someone adopted our little bear, so yeah, <laughs> they all got homes, and now my dogs are like they used to eat dirt and like live in the ghetto, and now they live in Redondo Beach, and I make them wild caught salmon all the time, and they're super bougie. It's like oh wow, they have no idea what they forget completely what it was like living in China. Yeah, yeah, it must have been. Quite a different setup, I, I'd imagine, from what what you, what you were used to, uh, sort of working yeah. in. Yeah. So there wasn't. We weren't under our union there and everything, so it was a, a whole different ball game. And that's what I meant by there was there was a few things that were like a little took a while to get used to. Like they they work straight until they finish a sequence, and they just keep going. They don't take weekends. They don't, you know. Hmm. We would just we'd work fourteen days straight, and then Sam would say, "Nope, my guys are taking a break today. We don't have anything. We need to shoot with them. There, you know, give them a down day." Um, but there was one day we had to finish at this this location that day, and so I was doing a fight scene with somebody at the end of a twenty four hour day, 
And I just remember thinking, like, oh, this is probably not the smartest. I mean, it was, luckily it was a security cam footage that so was, like, uh, way high and wide, so it wasn't, like, super in tight where we had to be on our, you know, best behavior. But, yeah, there was, there was things like that where you're just like, oh, they don't have any rules. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that can be very dangerous, can't it? As well, I mean, just for the the, the stunt yeah. performer. But um, but I mean, kudos to the Chinese teams because they never complain once. It's just like they they work their asses off. So we, I'll give I will give them that for sure. Would you work out in China again if the opportunity arose? Is that is that something you would you would consider? Sure. I mean, you know what? For me these days, it's number one about safety. So as long as I had a good team and felt really safe, you know, no matter where I go, not just there, it could be in LA. I want to make sure I have a safe team. And, you know, a project that I that I would want to do, um, something that was interesting, for sure. I mean, I, I try really hard to, especially lately, I've been trying to work in L.A. as much as possible just because, you know, I've got my dogs and, yeah. you know, my life and everything here. And so I've really been trying to stay local as much as possible. But, um, yeah, I would, for the right project, for sure. <laughs> Mr. Chen, don't worry. I'll fix them. No problem. Do you think Hollywood does enough to sort of recognize, you know, the talent involved and the hard work that goes into making these films? Well, I think that they're starting to highlight it a little bit more. Um, in in the past, the part of the problem was that the stunt industry was kind of under wraps, right? Because you, it was a little bit of like Hollywood movie magic where you'd have an actor come in and there'd be a stunt double and not everybody knew that that was a thing. Not, not everybody knew there was a stunt industry. Yeah. Not, you know, a lot of actors didn't want people knowing that they weren't doing what they were doing because it was their character. So I think now it's becoming more well-known. Actors are a little more open about talking about it because it's, you know, not so taboo. And I think it's, I think it's evolving nicely. Um, I, I, I do agree that there should be a category in the Oscars just because it's a little weird that it's, you know, it's not. I definitely think that's strange and it would be nice if, you know, the Academy were to recognize the stunt department or the, maybe the action department. I don't know how they want to, you know, make that category. I feel like there's there's definitely been some good recognition for, for stunt people and for, you know, um, the Hollywood Reporter just put out an amazing article. When they first contacted me about it, I thought it was about the actresses and we were going to come in and be featured with them as their stunt doubles. And the more I got to talking, I realized, no, no, it was about us. Yeah, and they got our actors to agree to come with us, which was just that was really flattering, amazingly flattering. Yeah. You know that that article. So I think so. Yeah, I think I think it's becoming a more well-known thing. Scarlett's been on camera with yourself. Keanu is the first person to say, you know, I didn't do the stunts. Stunt people do stunts. That helps, doesn't it? When the actual actors themselves are actually, you know, bigging up the the the, the stunt stunt departments. That's that's got to help, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, that's huge. I remember. Pretty early on, um, working with Scarlett, it might have been after Avengers or Iron Man 2, I'm not sure, but she did an interview with Ellen on the Ellen show, and she said something like, oh, I had this amazing stunt double and gymnast Heidi Moneymaker who did a lot of that stuff, and Ellen goes, no, 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 you're not supposed to say that, and she said, no, I have to, she did all this work for me. So that's, that's a testament to her characters, like she's very willing to give, you know, credit where credit's due, which, and that wasn't necessary, it's not something I required or like, you know was even, you know, something she had to do, but it was really nice of her. So A lot of actors do like to play up on the fact that, oh, well, I did all my own stunts for this, you know, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good to see that, that that sort of type of thinking may maybe in the past. Yeah, I think, I think we're kind of molding into one. I think, 
you're going to start seeing actors really putting in the time and becoming action stars all through and through. And then you're going to see more, you are starting to see more stunt people, you know, because we're performers now. Stunts used to be walk on set, um, punch, punch, kick, and then the stunt guy goes over the counter. You know, yeah. that was sort of how yeah. stunts went. Or, or, you know, bigger stunts too, like the stunt guy drives the car and goes off the cliff, after pops up kind of thing. But now, with the free running and probably because of the Matrix and introducing, you know, um, like an Asian martial art, you know, trend, all of, all of these fight scenes and things that we're doing, free running, parkour, this whole thing is becoming more of a performance. So we're, you, you have to be not just a stuntman or woman, you have to be a performer. So I think that's leading us into a world where, okay, well, we're going to st- start playing characters because we're used to being performers, you know? When you're doing your own fight choreography, what do you look towards for inspiration? I'm a big fan of fusion. So yeah. for me, I'm, I'm inspired by a lot of different things, but I... Uh, I generally like to know... It's very hard for me when they put me in an empty room and say, make up a fight scene for these two characters. Right. Because I think it's really important to understand the story. I want to know the location. I want to know where we are, what we're doing. Um, and then for me, there's certain things that inspire me. Like, movement inspires me. So even if it's not necessarily... Animals inspire me sometimes. You know, like, it's... I, I'm always looking for movement in things. Like I could look at a tree and watch it for a while and possibly get some sort of inspiration from that. Yeah. Um, I watch my dogs wrestle sometimes and it's like really animalistic and visceral the way that they, they pretty much do jujitsu and different moves. And sometimes literally they will inspire me um, for fight beats. So it just depends on the character and where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Whoa. So you were the ones who were drug smuggling for the master. You follow the 87-11 approach where, you know, from the stunt world and then you're fight choreographing, your stunt coordinators, then you're moving into second unit and before you know it, you're, you're directing and then, you know, running the show. Uh, do you have aspirations to sort of, you know, eventually move up into directing and getting more involved in, in that side of things, Heidi? Absolutely. To be honest with you, um, I enjoy stunt coordinating, Uh but I'm more, I, I like painting a picture more. I'm like, I, I'm a little more, I really want the opportunity to be creative. And so for me, ultimately, I would like to direct because that's, you know, a little more um, up my alley. Yeah. Not that stunts isn't up my alley, but, um, you know, I, I really like to be involved in the creative side of a lot of that. Um, so that that's definitely where I'm heading. Yeah. But it's, you know... It's important to understand all of these jobs as you make your way up just so that you can be a better boss when you get there, you know. And do you have sort of dream projects in mind that you'd like to direct? I watch all sorts of films. Yeah. But my favorite films are comedy and I really badly want to revamp the world of action comedy and bring movies back. I mean, I don't want, I don't want to redo this because I hope nobody ever does redo it, but I want there to be a genre of movies like True Lies and that film to me is epic because yeah. it's some of the biggest action you'll see in an action film but it's hilarious yeah. like Jamie Lee Curtis is brilliant in that movie yeah. she's super dorky and super hot at the same time and she makes for the best comic relief and at the same time you have the dynamic between Tom Arnold and Arnold Schwarzenegger which is just to me that it, if I could do films like that for the rest of my life that yeah. those would be my dream well, well Dave, and Dave, David's doing good s- stuff with his, he's kind of, you know, with his Deadpool films and then right. Hobbs and Shaw, you know, they're funny movies, aren't yeah. they? So, yeah. you know, and it can be done. For sure. If you could take True Lies and, um, you know, 
put a little uh, Simon Pegg <laughs> style. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, hot fuzz. If you could take hot fuzz and make a cross between hot fuzz and true lies, that would be great. my dream baby. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> who who has impressed you the most, would you say, over you know, everyone that you've that you've worked with? I would say um, Steven Spielberg yeah. was definitely I worked with him on a couple films and he's just I mean, he's if not the, he's one of the greatest directors of all time. And just the way he works with the actors and the way he works with his heads of department and, and the way he pulls a film together to me was really impressive. And what actors have you worked with that you've been so impressed by? Well, obviously, like Scarlett is one of my all-time faves. She's just a genuinely amazing person and she's a badass and we have a great relationship for the last 10 years. But other than her, I would say Hallie is uh, just an incredible all-around package. I mean, she's a wonderful person as well, but she just what she brought to the table on John Wick, I mean, is more than I've seen yeah. in a long time, if ever, from you know the amount of work she put in and the amount of heart she had yeah. um, through some serious yeah. adversity. So Hallie was definitely... She's definitely, yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Keanu as well, I guess he's, uh, but he just loves it, doesn't he? I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I can't even say enough about him. He's just like I don't know how he does some of the stuff he does. Sometimes he's so, he works so hard, but the poor guy, he's just like after you know weeks of training, just limping into the gym, and the guys are like, "Okay, go ahead, we're gonna throw you a million times." <laughs> yeah, um, he's yeah, and he's such a nice, nice man as well. You know, good person. Yeah. That's not all hype then. He is genuinely the yeah. nicest guy. Yeah, okay. That's good to very, hear. Very nice guy, yeah. Heidi, thank you so much for, for talking to me today. Absolutely. Have a great day. I'll talk to you soon. Heidi Moneymaker there. An absolute joy that was to talk to Heidi. She's such a hardworking and talented and amazing advocate not just for the stunt world but for fitness and health and well-being in general and anyone who does follow her on social media can attest to just how much positive energy she does put out there into the world and it's all very encouraging and I always look at her posts and I always think my god I really should be going to the gym a lot more but anyway uh, you can keep up to date with all the latest Heidi Moneymaker news via social media she is on Instagram her page is at Heidi Moneymaker she is also on Twitter at Heidi Money and you can head over to fiercelotus.com to find out more information about her action star workout program that's the fitness business that she co-runs with the personal trainer Lisa Paul Newman. Fierce Lotus are also on Facebook and Twitter, so head over to those places if you would like some more information on that. Okay, just a few thank yous to end on before I go. A huge thank you to the Life of Action author and friend of the show, Mike Fury. Mike did put me in touch with Heidi initially, so I am very grateful for that. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you to Heidi for making the time to chat to me for this episode of the show. And finally, a huge thank you to you, the loyal food follower who has listened to this episode right to the very end. Thank you so much. There will be another episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guide podcast, as always, in two weeks' time. Until then, do take care, look after yourself. I will see you 
again very soon on another new episode of the Kung Fu Movie Guy podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.